Hello once again from Paul. And from Rachel. And it's the 11th of December. Doesn't time fly when you're having fun? Are you it having fun? It certainly does. <laughs> okay, folks, look, I warn you, this is going to be an animal-related programme today. What, again? We are on our animal rant. We, we know, you know that we're animal mad. Actually, we had a bit of a sad day yesterday, didn't we? We did. One we of did. our long-lasting friends with four legs went to the great kennel in the sky. Mm. Poor old Pip, who was a beautiful chocolate Labrador. We had her from the RSPCA. She was quite elderly when we had her. She was sort of 10. And she'd been used as a breeding bitch, hadn't been treated very well at all. Um, So she had a lovely three and a half, nearly four years with us. It's always very sad when an animal is so ill that we have to put them to sleep. But I have to say that when I have to go... I would rather go that way than some of the more sad ways that we have seen people leave this planet. Mm. And I always ask the vet to give the animals a sedative first. So they're completely out of it by the time the big needle goes in. Hey-ho, we did our bit for her. So our theme for today is all about kindness and kindness to animals in particular. Um, So... What happened on this day in history? Well, it's interesting that you say that because in 1946, UNICEF started and that's the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund. And it was um, started to provide emergency food and health care to children in countries that have been in the throes of the Second World War. Mm -hmm. So when you think about how much kindness... And practical support that institution has brought to thousands, probably millions of people since 1946. That's a really wonderful thing to celebrate, isn't it? It is. What else happened on this day in history? Well, a bit of royal history. Um, King Edward VIII abdicated. On this day, Mm. the 11th of December. Yeah, so George VI, the present Queen's father, came to the throne much against his will and his possibly his better judgment but he stepped up to the mark now talking christmas there was a really good film in 2010 called the king's speech Mm, yeah and with king edward the eighth abdicating just before christmas there wasn't a christmas speech that year but king george VI took over um his brother and he gave a speech in 1937 And he had a huge speech impediment. So the film is all about how he overcame that and how he managed to give a really good speech and the relief that he felt afterwards. From what I understand, it actually was a pretty good, accurate portrayal of what happened. A lot of these dramatic portrayals of uh, royal family life are not always that accurate, as we've learned recently. But what happened was apparently just nine weeks before they were filming, it was discovered that the therapist that had worked with the king, Lionel Logue, had a grandson still living in London who still had his diaries. So they seized upon this and and rewrote the film script script. Mm -hmm. and uh, actually brought in a lot more accuracy into that portrayal as a consequence. Yeah, Yeah, and then the Queen has given her speech on a Christmas afternoon since 1952 and it's part of christmas day tradition isn't it to finish lunch mm-hmm. in time to listen to the queen the royal family did take a bit of persuading actually to do these speeches 
because Lord Reith approached them back in 1922. Right. And the king at the time, George V, said, no thanks, don't want to go on this cheap entertainment medium of yours. (laughs) (laughs) So it was another 10 years before he was persuaded to actually do the first speech. And uh, it was written by Rudyard Kipling. Really? The first speech, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Apparently the Queen writes her own speeches these days. Yeah. She's quite incredible, isn't she? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad old girl for her age, really. I think you could have been locked up in the tower for saying (laughs) things like that a few hundred years ago. We are standing to attention whilst we're talking about her. Of course, absolutely. But can I give you one of my tenuous links? You can. Okay. In 2019, the Duchess of Cornwall visited the Donkey Sanctuary in Sidmouth to help celebrate their 50th anniversary. Okay. Go on then. We're talking donkeys. I know. It's very exciting because we've got Justine with us today. She's from the Donkey Sanctuary. In fact, she is our donkey inspector. (laughs) And not many people can say that, can they? Tonight, the Donkey Sanctuary are going to put out carols by candlelight in the stable yard. And it's going to be going out live on their website. So we can all sit at home with our cup of cocoa and watch it on our tellies. Let's ask Justine all about it. Carols by Candlelight at the Donkey Sanctuary is going ahead today at 6pm. How do people get to see it? The people will be able to get to see this by logging on to the charity's website, which is www.thedonkeysanctuary.org.uk. The service will start with a live welcome from Sidmouth Sanctuary, providing the perfect festive atmosphere and backdrop. The pre-recorded service will then begin and feature all the usual favourites, including traditional Christmas carols and readings, all while surrounded by many of the resident donkeys. Oh, will they join in? Well, you never know. (laughs) Stranger things have happened. Yes. (laughs) It might not be quite in key, but I see no reason why they shouldn't join in. My my joy in my life is when they both blot at the same time in a morning and sometimes they can just hit a beautiful chord together. Can they? Yeah. It's sort of harmoniously. Yes, yeah, it's beautiful. And it hardly ever happens. Yeah, but when it does, wow. I know. (laughs) You really value it. (laughs) So what is your role within the Donkey Sanctuary? I am one of 16 donkey welfare advisors. So my job is to make sure that the welfare of all our donkeys from the sanctuary are good, as well as visiting private homes. We'll go into private homes and give them welfare and advice. We have a guardian scheme, which we have around 440 homes at present within the UK, Scotland and Wales, which is um, ever-growing. And of that, I believe we are supporting 2,400 donkeys throughout the UK. I mean, I would say as a donkey welfare advisor, the majority of our work is um, rehoming our donkeys on our rehoming scheme. Anybody from the general public can um, ask advice, phone us up. 
them and we will try our hardest to help in any shape or form. Some of our work is with rescuing donkeys, going out on complaints. So any time that any member of the public has made a complaint about um, any particular donkey, we need to go out, go and, and see that particular circumstance and then return and give them a little report on what's happened. Sometimes it's absolutely nothing. Sometimes it's very, very serious. But we will act upon every complaint that we are given. How many donkeys have you got at the sanctuary at the moment? I think it's in and around 3,000. 3,000. So those have all been brought in because they're donkeys in need? They are donkeys in need, which is, covers quite a broad, broad spectrum. So you might have a private home where their circumstances have changed or they've become too elderly to look after them anymore. So they will relinquish them to the sanctuary. We'll also have uh, some cases where um, they have been in dire, dire straits and um, we've come in and we in inverted commas, have rescued them. And so they might need medical assistance. We are moving away from providing long-term sanctuary care for every donkey in need. Instead, we are trying to work with the donkey's owners to support the donkeys in situ. In other words, they're saying that we're absolutely full to chock-a-block and we can't actually cater for any more donkeys. Our work involves early intervention and support with castration, microtripping, passports, hoof and dental and parasite treatments and providing education and putting them in contact with professional service providers. I've seen some of the, the feet on the donkeys and they're just absolutely appalling, aren't they? And if they're not cared for, then it must just be so painful for the donkeys. Must yeah, I mean, what tends to happen is because um, a donkey's hoof grows from the heel first, and so when they get longer and longer and their, their feet haven't been attended to by a farrier, they grow from the heel first, so then they get the interpretation of um, looking like um, an Aladdin or a Turkish slipper, so that they're toes curl up at the end and without proper remedial farriering I've seen donkeys walk with almost for want of a better word their feet almost look like flippers and they have a very unusual gait to accommodate such long feet. They've got really delicate small hooves haven't they with chunky legs on top of Their hooves look totally inappropriate for their, their legs and their body? Um, yes and no. You have to remember there's a lot of fluff around donkeys. Um, so whereas where they originate in the third world countries and from the desert or in Egypt or wherever, um, they wouldn't have all the hair around. But invariably, their feet can cope with their mass. What do you think about it is about donkeys that makes them so attractive to human beings? I honestly don't know other than the fact that they are so wonderful to look at. But every person that I have spoken to in the 12 years, 11 years that I've been working for the sanctuary is I've only had one person come back to me and didn't say they love donkeys. Yeah, I find there's a peace about them. Although Oscar is very like Victor Meldrew. He is a very grumpy old man. Yeah, we have had complaints in the past where we've had to go and see a donkey because he looked miserable. <laughs> they, do, they do have an O-level in slightly looking miserable. I particularly like the feel of their muzzles because mm. they're just so soft and like velvet and it puts me in a happy place. 
So there you go. The Carols by Candlelight will be live on the Donkey Sanctuary Facebook page. And uh, I think you can probably catch up with a recording of it if you don't happen to catch it live. And we'll put a link on our website as well, won't we? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think there's only one song that we can play after (laughs) all of that. Go on then. You introduce it. Okay. Here's Rachel singing all about the little donkey. Yeah. 
Okay, so we said that today's theme would be kindness, kindness to animals. And um, I think that brings us round to Christmas dinner. Uh, look, folks, I'm sorry, we are both vegans. And our Christmas dinner is probably going to be along the lines of a, a delicious um, nut roast or something of that nature. Well, I don't know. I thought I might do my wonderful stew in an oven type thing, which took me five minutes to prepare before we did this recording a couple of days ago. I have to say it was the most delicious thing ever. It was very good. Yeah, we cleared it up today. So that's the way to do Christmas dinner, folks. Yeah. Five minutes. Yeah. It's done. No hassle. Well, I am going to do some roast potatoes and roast parsnips and things like that. OK, fair enough. So we will buff it up a little bit. But So if you're thinking of your what to do for your Christmas dinner and you want a little break with tradition, then listen to this poem by Benjamin Zephaniah. Talking Turkeys nice to your turkeys this Christmas cause turkeys just wanna have fun turkeys are cool and turkeys are wicked and every turkey has a mum be nice to your turkeys this Christmas don't eat it, keep it alive it could be your mate and not on your plate say yo turkey, I'm on your side I got lots of friends who are turkeys and all of them fear Christmas time they say they want to enjoy it, but those humans have destroyed it, and those humans are out of their mind. Yeah, I've got lots of friends who are turkeys, and all have the right to a life, not to be caged up and genetically made up by a farmer and his wife. No, turkeys just want to play reggae. Turkeys just want to hip-hop. Can you imagine a nice young turkey saying, hey... I cannot wait for the chop. No. Turkeys would like to get presents. They want to watch Christmas TV. Turkeys have brains and turkeys feel pain in many ways like you and me. I once knew a turkey. We called him Turkey. He said, Benji, explain to me please. Who put the turkey in Christmas? And what happens to Christmas trees? I said, well, I'm not too sure, Turkey. But it's nothing to do with Christ, mass. No, humans get greedy and waste more than need be. And businessmen make lots of cash. So, be nice to your turkeys this Christmas. Invite them indoors for some greens. Let them eat cake. And let them partake in a plate of organic grown beans. Be nice to your turkeys this Christmas. And spare them the cut of the knife. Join Turkeys United and they'll be delighted and you will make new friends for life. Turkeys have a pretty raw deal of things, don't they? I mean, they're not even attractive-looking creatures, are they? <laughs> it's in the eye of the beholder. Do you think a man turkey looks at a lady turkey and says, wow, I really fancy you? I'm sure he does. Otherwise, there wouldn't be little turkeys. Actually, I think you're being... Completely naive there, Paul. <laughs> right, let's get on to higher things, shall we? Let's listen to Simon with his next verse from St Luke's Gospel. Today, one verse only, from chapter 2, and it's verse 7. Mary wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. 
There was no room for them to stay in the inn. Question. Isn't this a scandal? A child who is going to save the world? Wrapped up in cloth and put in a feeding trough. As a child, what were you wrapped up in? And where were you laid? Was it different to an animal's feeding trough? Here's my thought. Previously, I spoke about the message and blessings of God not being about acceptability, prosperity and comfort, and about the nativity story being so familiar to us that we let its familiarity mask its scandal. Here then is the scandal. If Mary embodies the scandal, she also is the example of the obedience that should flow from God's blessing. Mary was favoured and would bear a king, but only if she gave herself obediently in response to God's calling. And why not? From a God point of view, the greatest blessings are bound up in the fellowship God shares with us. The blessings aren't rewards, separate from that fellowship. Perhaps we would inject more realism into Advent, our preparation time before Christmas, if we recognised that the meaning and glory of Christmas came about by the willingness of an ordinary person to obey God's claim on their life. But hey, I could be wrong. You see, the ultimate scandal is that God would enter human life with all its depravity, violence and corruption. Therefore, the message Gabriel gave to Mary ultimately is an announcement of hope for all humankind. God has not abandoned us. The ordinary girl knew this. Thanks to Simon. And that's all today, folks. Uh, do enjoy the Donkey Carols by Candlelight tonight or catch them on Facebook later. We'll be watching it, won't we? Absolutely. Um, so, talking of Bethlehem, mm-hmm. do you know how Mary and Joseph actually knew the weight of baby Jesus when he was born? I don't. They had a way in their manger. <laughs> <laughs> Very oh, clever. <laughs> Folks, hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Okay, bye for now. Take care. Bye-bye.